Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon. Let's talk about video games. This week we'll be talking about E3 returning, Summer Games Fest wants you to know they're returning as well, Mass Effect news. I have a big announcement about an interview coming up. You have to listen to the whole show though, get the details. And much, much more. A few things before we get into the show. Please subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please stop just for one moment and rate the podcast right now. Give me them stars. It helps me get noticed. Thank you. If you're checking this out on YouTube or if you also have a YouTube, if you if you watch on there, other things, please subscribe to my channel, Bond Diesel, like this video and hit the bell icon in order to be notified of future videos. Last, please jo- join the show's discord by clicking on the link in the description of the podcast or the video. It's where we can talk about the podcast, things I bring up, my takes on it and your takes. Let's talk about division. Let's talk about mass effect. Let's talk about sports, whatever. We have a nice little community there. Come over, be a part of it. Gaming news. Let's get into it. So a pretty packed slate this week. Uh, Just, just to, just to warn you first E3 returns in 2023 is an in-person and streaming event. Uh, It was announced this week uh, by a bunch of platforms. E3 confirmed it as well. Um, that they are coming back. They said they were going to do this when they um, pulled out this year and, and, and took a year off. They said they were coming back, and, and they are. Um, the biggest piece of this news is that the company who's going to be actually putting on the show, because uh, you have to keep in mind, the ESA is who puts on E3 or who pays for it. They are a, a essentially a lobby group for video games. Um And their whole, supposedly, the whole reason for them to exist is to advocate for video games and developers and publishers and blah, blah, blah. So E3 originally, the idea was to get publishers connected with developers and to get retail stores to see what's out there to put on their shelves. That isn't what it was in more recent years. It's become more of a of a fan showcase and things like that. But the big news is that the person putting on the show now is going to be Reed pop who does the PAX shows, New York comic con and a, and a literally a ton of other events. This is in my opinion, probably a really good thing. Um, I want E3 back. Um, I think E3 one, it's just kind of the, it's like the aura around it. It's the history. It's, I mean, even this year, if you paid attention to any commentators during the E3 week, well, I just did it. Even though it was Summer Game Fest, even though it was a bunch of individuals doing their own shows, publishers and such, people were still were still calling it E3 week. Or more jokingly, calling it like not E3 week or Key 3 week as a play on Jeff Keighley. And... You know, like it or not, whether you like E3 or not, whether you think it's outdated or, you know, the ESA should be buried for what they did with like revealing everyone's private information a couple of years ago. E3 still has a significance to people, even if it's just in their head. And um, I think by bringing in a company who not only, you know, knows what they're doing, who is new. Um, but who puts on some of the best shows gaming or otherwise in the world. It's a good way to do it. Now there has been a lot of talk of like, okay, well the C3 is going to be a lot more like packs. So it might be more like consumer focused and less dev focused and stuff like that. I, I wouldn't be so sure. I suspect that this read pop and the ESA are going to work together to try to do something that still pleases consumers still sells tickets because that's how they're going to pay for it make money 
but also tries to cater again to the media and the publishers and the devs. Um, I'm really hoping they do something like it'll be like a five day event. Two days will be media uh, or, you know, like, uh, you know, business only. Right. And then they'll do like three days of a consumer event. So they're um, because I've seen a whole bunch of podcasters and commentators in the game space saying like, you know, they miss that that opportunity what you would get because you have to remember like e3 for a lot of these people is a chance to see a bunch of their friends to see a bunch of their friends who are developers and in the publishing you know and all that and to get to new, meet new people and become you know have new friends and meet people from other media outlets and make those connections and and podcasts meet people from other podcasts and do their things together um because if you want me to be totally honest, I went to E3 in 2018. I thought it kind of sucked. I really appreciate Ubisoft for sending me to it. I got to see Division 2 revealed. Um, I got to meet a bunch of Division 2 devs and a bunch of other devs for other games. Um, it was it was a great experience, but the actual show floor for at least me was a nightmare, was a complete nightmare. Um, just too many people, people waiting in line for hours and hours to play a game for 10 or 15 minutes. I, I just didn't think it would seem like it was worth it. And even myself, I had like an Ubisoft pass. So on Ubisoft games, I could kind of jump to the front of the line. I was still waiting forever. Um, I only got to play the division two demo like once or twice, I think maybe. Um, so, you know, but I think this is a good thing. I, I don't think Summer Game Fest really has it. I, I appreciate what Jeff Keighley's trying to do. I appreciate there's a lot of people who see him as kind of like the antithesis of the ESA or whatever. But I'm just going to be straight up. Like, Jeff, like, if he could take himself out of it and just put on the best game show he possibly can and not do so many things that are like obviously stroking his own ego. Um, then I think we would have a situation where like, you know, E3 really, you know, could be significantly destroyed by game summer game fest. But I just, I really think that that Jeff really enjoys the part of it where he gets to kind of put himself out there and that's fine. He does a lot of work. He, he does a lot to make these things happen, but I just don't, he just can't seem to completely separate himself from it. And and I think that um, really holds the show back at the end of the day. And it, and it leads to weird things. And, um, and I think he has some pretty obvious biases, which is fine. He's human. He's allowed to do that. And he's done a pretty good job of giving like time to everything, but it's kind of hard not to notice that he's definitely got like some biases which as a human is okay, but you've got to at least make a significant effort to like remove that from, from what he does. So I think E3 returning is great. I really hope that read pop figures out a way to make it new and unique, but still call back to what E3 is at least in people's heads. Um, I think the competition is pretty sorely needed. Um, I think that this year's summer game fest was probably held back by just not a lot of games coming out because of delays and such. I also think it was just, it was too long. It felt really drawn out. It felt so spread out because all the companies were kind of just loosely together and E3 just does a good job of, of putting everything in a few days and it's just constant and it's maybe not perfect, but it's pretty good. Now, what I think is going to be the most important is that the ESA and E3 and read pop is going to have to beg and scratch and just do whatever they have to do to get Xbox in, which they probably will be to get Nintendo in, maybe not, and to get Sony in, which is going to be hard because Sony wrote off E3 years ago at this point. And um, I think it's going to be really important that they do whatever they have to do to get the big three back in. Um, I think Keeley is going to suffer here. I, I think that there's a really good chance the Summer Game Fest and E3 will both have partners in all the biggest platforms. 
but E3 has to get the big three back in there. Um, just for the hype, especially for the consumer part of it, but for the media part and stuff like that too, which is going to be a big deal for the industry side. Um, I think this is good. I think the competition is going to be healthy and is going to give us a better product on both E3 and the other shows, especially Game Fest. And I'm excited. I'm excited about 2023 now. I think it's going to be fun over the next, you know, 10 months watching the arms race happen and seeing who, uh, you know, what moves whoever makes and stuff. It's I'm excited. It's going to be really cool. Now, if you were paying attention to this news, uh, you'll know that Jeff Keighley and Summer Game Fest pulled the pettiest of moves, which is fine. They can do that. It's not hurting anybody. Um, but as soon as the stories were dropping about E3 coming back, um, Summer Game Fest was tweeting all over the place saying, hey, we, we're coming back. You know, we're doing an in-person event, which is kind of new. They did an in-person event this year. It was very small for a fairly select number of uh, industry people. Um, my guess is they're going to do a bigger version of that and also have either in the same event or in a separate event, something for consumers, for regular folks. And, um, you know, he's going to try to do it up too. It's going to be real interesting watching the timeframes here because I think that they will steer away from each other. Keely has a lot of issues with the ESA and E3 and I highly doubt they're going to cooperate necessarily um but i i wouldn't be surprised if there's at least like a gentleman's agreement to say hey we're gonna do our stuff this week you know you're gonna do your stuff that week that will give time for our partners who are gonna be a lot of the same people probably to do their own things you know to to have time to show maybe different stuff or whatever um it's gonna be interesting because if they try to do it the same week I just think it's going to be bad for everyone. I think both of their events are going to suffer at least a little bit. I think that fans are going to be overwhelmed and confused about who's doing what, where, and all of that. And so, um, yeah, but I, I really uh, appreciated the, the the pettiness of the way that uh, the Summer Game Fest 2023 was announced because it was very reactionary. It was a very, um, hell, Keely might just had, might have had that tweet or those tweets in his saved box. And he probably knew, I'm sure through the grapevine, was hearing that, that you know, E3 was going to announce something fairly soon. And as soon as they did, he just opened it up and hit that send button, which, you know, it's a business, you know, they're, they're, they, they are in competition. Um, it, it, it may not be the, the type of competition we necessarily are creating in our own heads, but it's there. So, um, I, I'll be curious. I, I think next year, um, is going to be interesting because you know the games that are coming out this year the few of them um even the games that came out in the last year and the games that are going to come out in the years to come were all delayed like like the games that came out last year were supposed to come out the year before same with this year same with next year there's going to be a ton of games next year that were supposed to come out this year and it's it's gonna there is kind of this log jam i think happening where you know covid and everything obviously did cause issues but now i think we're gonna have this weird situation where you're gonna see companies probably holding games back uh you know because they don't want to crowd their own releases and stuff so I think Summer Game Fest and E3 are really good to compete against each other. I think it's only going to make things better. Uh, I think E3 has a lot to prove, but I think it has a lot of people rooting for it, even if you may not notice it in the greater industry, because a lot of the loudest people hate E3. But I think there's a lot of people, including myself, who want E3 to return to something. Um, and, and I think Keeley needs to be able to step back and not make the not make his show about him. Uh, and he can be a, an even more legitimate uh, competitor to what E3 is going to try to be. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. The next story, as we know, I find a reason to talk about Mass Effect and The Division every week. And luckily this week, there's, a, there's reasons to talk about them both. Uh, I'm going to start with Mass Effect, which if you're watching the video, you can see the lovely background image behind me um, is, is a concept art for the or a screenshot from the trailer of the next game. So 
it was uh, th- so there was talk um, Bioware and some and there were some articles about Mary DeMarley. I'm sure I'm still not saying it right from Idos Montreal, leaving her job of almost 15 years there um, and joining Bioware. And so myself and a bunch of other people, um, you know, wrote video or uh, did videos, wrote articles and stuff being like, oh, she's probably going to help out with like Dragon Age, wrapping that up uh, and maybe on the next Mass Effect. I predicted in my video that you can check out on my YouTube um, that she was going to be on Mass Effect. And and my main reason behind that is um, she was the narrative director at Eidos Montreal on the most, most recently on guardians of the galaxy, which won narrative of the year in 2021, um, as well as the last two Deus Ex games, which are not perfect games. I never played them and it, but it seems like the reception of them, especially from a narrative point of view is, you know, extremely good. And so then within a day or two, um, Mike Gamble, who's the lead on the next Mass Effect game, announced very specifically she uh, married DeMarley, is joining Bioware, and is going to be the narrative lead on the next Mass Effect. That is huge. That's a big deal. It's a big deal for a few reasons. It's a big deal because it means things are moving forward. It's a big deal because she is legendary for her work, both in those the games I've mentioned, as well as, you know, 15 years of narrative uh, work on many legendary games, many games like in the Mist series way back in the day. Um, she's also you know done stuff in film and TV as well. She's a legend, right? And so this is a big deal. And one of the big things I've been pointing out that's also a big deal about her joining is she didn't have to. You aren't talking about some, you know, you know, inexperienced, you know, early in their career writer who's going to take any job that comes up because there's a lot of talk and there's a lot of faux concern about like, oh, I don't know if Bioware is as good as they used to be. And they probably aren't, but they're whether they are or aren't, they're different. And that's fine because games are different now than they were in the heyday of Bioware. So they probably have to be different. But the big point I've been making and why her joining them is so exciting for me beyond the fact that I loved Guardians of the Galaxy, really enjoyed its narrative. Its gameplay is fine, but its narrative is pristine. And the characters are great. The dialogue is great. Just, I'm very excited. But a big part of why I, uh, a big thing that I think is important is that, uh, like I said before, she didn't have to go to bioware she probably has it okay at idos montreal she was there for a long time but the thing to consider is that she's probably going to be joining bioware at their studio in montreal that's the one who is probably going to be leading on the next mass effect game and the reason that's a big deal is that she knows people there she didn't work in montreal at idos for 15 years and not get to know the people at the other legendary studio in the same city she probably knows a bunch of them especially the higher up people and i don't think she would have left her well-established very successful position at idos montreal if what what's going on over at bioware isn't excellent isn't exciting isn't something that she was excited and willing to leave her extremely long career with Idos Montreal to go to Bioware which is on the rocks a little bit right like at least in the perception side of things and so her vote of confidence to leave Idos Montreal where she just wore one narrative of the year um to go to work on this project makes me so excited um, so th- th- there has been some discussion I've seen around about people being like, okay, well, what does this mean for where that game is at? I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 th- I still am predicting like an earlier mid 2025 release for this next mass effect game. I've seen some other commentators say things like 2028 or 2029. I mean, you're, that's literally talking about like the end of this generation of consoles. I, I don't think that's the case. I, I suspect that they are deep into prototyping and concept work uh, within pre-production, stuff like that. And I still pretty fully believe that when Dragon Age releases, probably next year, Dreadwolf, um, they'll be moving the vast majority of their teams over to the next Mass Effect game to begin like for like, you know, urgent work on the next Mass Effect um, in production. 
and um and i suspect that'll take about two years uh of of like full-time hundreds of people working on it um you know assuming there aren't setbacks like having entire like game shifts and changes the way that happened with dreadwolf that's caused it to be delayed um or not even delayed really but just to take longer because you can't be you can't delay that which does not have a release date right so um i i'm i'm really excited about this i think this is really cool her joining up is just so exciting uh i i i just you know both from a perspective of her the fact that things are moving along and that and at least in my opinion things must be pretty damn good there and there must be something really interesting to get involved with there if she's willing to join uh it is worth mentioning before i move on to the next story um there is a mass effect three um uh easter egg in guardians of the galaxy if you if you've played that game you'll remember there's a whole section of the game one of the levels is um basically diving into drax's mind to try to release him from this control and there's a point in his mission where a little boy awkwardly runs back and forth across your screen at various parts of the mission um i don't think anyone ever mentions it but it's the exact same animation as the little boy in Shepard's dreams during the PTSD dreams in Mass Effect 3. It's the exact same running animation. The boy looks the same. Uh, if you don't believe me, I have a clip of it somewhere. I can I can post it uh, on my Discord or something. But uh, so she at least I assume was a part of that. So she you know had Mass Effect on the mind. And if you play that Guardians game. It, it has lots of Mass Effect vibes, even just in the smallest ways. So very exciting. Some other really exciting stuff, uh, especially for a lot of the people who probably listen to this podcast at this point, uh, is we have multiple bits of division news. Um, so the main one, uh, or I guess not main, but a big one um, was they released the roadmap. Now I will point out that the roadmap, in my opinion, was a little sparse, but it was a roadmap nonetheless. And um, it had some inf interesting information, especially with stuff that came out afterwards. So the big thing was with Division 2, um, it announced a, well, announced, we knew it was coming, but a season 10 and 11. Now, this was interesting because I suspect there's only going to be three seasons uh, in this year four of content. Um, I think it would have mentioned uh, season 12. And so my assumption is that season 11 is going to last until like March or, or is going to be the last bit of content until March of 2023. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so season 10 is looking to, to happen, uh, I think, believe in around in August um, and is going to have a new manhunt and like some new mission difficulties for different missions and things like that. Not the craziest thing in the world, but still, you know, will be significant in its own way. Uh, season 11, I believe, is slated for December of 2022 and uh, mentions a new game mode as well as new manhunt the new game mode we know nothing we have no idea what that means we have no idea what uh, it will entail um but uh it's something's coming and i'll be really curious i still ended up being pretty underwhelmed by countdown i haven't played it in weeks um but i still liked it it was fine it's just i had a feeling at least for me it wouldn't have legs and that team true so it's all good no harm no foul um, but i will be curious to see what this next mode will be probably the biggest news was when all of this guy put out there yannick just kind of offhandedly said oh and by the way because of you all playing this game and, and participating in uh, year four and in this season nine and stuff uh, a year five has been confirmed which is super cool that's um that's very good that's that's great um if you pay attention to massive right now they are hiring pretty heavily uh both for obviously for star wars for avatar but they're putting up like big positions for division two um and so before they announced year five i thought that they were gonna maybe start working on division three after year four was over my guess now is that they're gonna bring on a bunch of new staff make what would amount to essentially a third main team at massive so you have avatar star wars and then this new team you also have to keep in mind they are working on a double a AA game as well they also are the ones who i think are still in charge 
of Ubisoft Connect. That may not be true anymore, but it was recently. And they're the main studio that's in charge of Frostbite, which Ubisoft is starting to now use in all of their studios, or at least experimenting with that. And that's going to end up being a big deal to the point where they may make that its own studio. If they're going to try to have one engine for all their games, they'll have to, I think, expand that off. But this is cool. So year five, um, my guess is that they're going to use the this time for year four and year five to really build this team up and probably then begin work on division three of some type. Um, more than likely by the time that all happens, uh, Star Wars will be completed or getting to that point. And they very well could be building a team for division that can do pre-production on the next game. And then when they finish Star Wars, who is most of the division two devs, uh, they can come back and, and do all of the heavy lifting to make a division three. That's my prediction. We'll have to wait and see if that uh, plays out. The other big division news was the division resurgence. It's a mobile game that was announced. Um, it looks and it's described as a game that's going to have a basically the same play style as the mainline games on consoles and PC. Um, it's going to have missions, it's going to have solo play, it's going to have co-op, it's going to be, I believe they said free to play. And and yeah, we don't know a whole lot more than that. They are doing alpha testing soon on Android and Apple. Um, that kind of brings up a topic to me that like, I really feel like a lot of companies, and I think especially Ubisoft, really needs to get away from doing this alpha beta thing all the time. Um, I understand. I, it will... Like, let's be straight up, like betas at this point are being used as just like demos, right? Um, but then like alpha, like if a game is truly an alpha, you're about to show some people a game in a very early state um, that most consumers won't know what to do with or won't understand why it's like not a bad thing that half the things aren't skinned. I've seen many games in alpha at this point with NDA things I've tested and stuff like that. Um, so I, I feel like Ubisoft is one of the worst offenders of doing this, like get in on the alpha when it's really like a late beta test, but they just call it an alpha because they want to give themselves time where there's no expectation for them to release the game. But I don't know. I'm, I, I'm kind of annoyed by that. I don't really, I don't like mobile games. I, I doubt this will be my thing. Um, I have absolutely just been adoring seeing people already being like, well, what's the PVP going to be like? And they're alluding pretty heavily to that. There's not going to be PVP. They haven't come out and said that, but it's when they were asked pretty directly about it by someone, they responded and like, well, you can play all the missions in, in single player or co-op with your friends. Like, so to me, that's saying there's no PVP, bro. And there shouldn't be. Why would there be? This franchise doesn't do PVP well. Basically, no game in the genre does. We just they they need to be more direct, I guess. But players need to start like putting the pieces together at some point, man. <laughs> like it, it's getting to the point where it's like kind of sad. Like, come on. Like at some point, you've gotta be able to be like, hmm. It's been six years. And they have basically shown no dedication to making the PVP better in this franchise. Well, maybe tomorrow they're going to work on it. Like, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm maybe they'll prove me wrong one day, but I still just don't think that they care about the PVP that much. And I think that there must be a bunch of metrics and stats telling them uh, that they shouldn't care, that it's pointless. And uh, I, think that i think though they could come out and be like look everyone the division isn't a pvp focused franchise we've tried we failed we just don't have the heart or the talent or whatever to really go into it or, or the division is not gonna have pvp and you would still have people being like so are are you gonna make the pvp better <laughs> like i don't know but um, exciting news. It really is. It's cool stuff. Um, even if it's not for me, I I've definitely in my old age gotten to the point where I can appreciate things, even if they're not for me. And, and that's where the mobile thing definitely is the division two seasons and the year five and stuff. 
I mean, I'm finding it hard to even get myself to go and like even play the current seasons. Um, I'm in it for the story and they're telling some cool stuff. We're hearing some cool stuff Uh, here in the next couple days. I think we'll have the final lieutenant and then the final manhunt target, which is exciting. So um, I just, you know, I'm very much in a show. Don't tell uh, mindset at this point. I, I, uh, you know, here at the end of the year, I'm excited to see what this new mode will be. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what year five will be. I'm excited to see where this growing team will go, you know, but we'll talk about that when we talk about it. Uh, and somewhat related news, a very quick story here. Um, there's an Ubisoft forward. Uh, I don't even know if they actually called it that, but they will be having some type of showcase in September. Um, this would be, I believe after Gamescom. So I believe they're going to have a presence at Gamescom, but it might necessarily not be like a big, like announcement conference or anything, but it seems like they are going to have some type of showcase, uh, in, sometime in September. Um, I assume there's just not a whole bunch of big stuff I could see them really talking about. I know in the division fan base, there's people hoping they're going to talk about Heartland. You know, I have to be very careful what I say about that game, but I we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't expect any big division news. I think we have our big division news. Um, though I will say that Yannick um, did post about, you know, saying that, you know, July is a slow month for division because that's when everyone takes their vacations, including himself. Um, but that August is going to be a big month, whatever that means. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Like, will they show something of a Splinter Cell game? Will they give us something about the next Assassin's Creed? Are they doing this Assassin's Creed Infinite where it's going to be this like live service forever Assassin's Creed game? Who knows? Um, are, are we going to hear something about a new Far Cry or Ghost Recon or something with Siege or Rainbow Six? Maybe a new Rainbow Six property. They're, they're due to do something that isn't just a cheap knockoff with quarantine. No, no, uh, no shade. I promise. Um, you know, skull, you know, we'll talk about skull and bones. Um, you know, there, there's some stuff that they can show. I'm really curious to what they do here. I'm afraid it's going to end and people are going to be kind of like, okay, like nothing. There's like super exciting, but I hope I'm wrong. Prince of Persia, that remake, they'll probably show something about that. Um, beyond good and evil Two, whatever that's going to end up being, uh, we'll see. Very curious. Uh, and, uh, obviously, uh, another quick one here, they will probably show skull and bones skull and bones got revealed this week and a pretty good chunky reveal. Um, it's, it looks interesting. It kind of looks like the ship version of Fort honor is, is how I've described it, how I've seen it. Um, it's supposedly it's going to be a full price game, like 60, 70 bucks. It's really interesting to me that, uh, for a publisher that's been so hard for free to play games lately, uh, this game seems like it would be ripe to be free to play. And I don't think it's going to be, I've seen a lot of people predicting, uh, that Ubisoft may do uh, like game pass on Xbox and PC. I am predicting, I bet Sony is going to try to get this, on uh on their on their platform on their um uh sony whatever it's called plus playstation plus i I bet we see it on there and we don't see it on uh game pass that's my uh, early prediction here but we'll have to wait and see that game doesn't come out till the end of the year so we'll have to wait and see what they do i'm not interested in this uh, more than likely um if it's 60 70 dollars i will definitely not be playing it if it's on game pass or they do a trial or something i'll check it out but it's there's just a lot of talk around that game that there's some weird like responsibility they have to release it in some capacity no matter what because of some grants or something from the singapore government it's being it's been primarily developed by ubisoft singapore and that there was some like financial stuff where they like had to do at least so much and um yeah so we'll see 
Uh, the final story, and definitely not the least, is that God of War Ragnarok has a date. So after months and months and months and, and delays uh, and, and rumors of another delay possibly pushing it to 2023, uh, Corey Barlog can finally get maybe a little bit of relief from his Twitter account mentions, and they will be releasing God of War Ragnarok, the sequel to the 2018 kind of reimagining of god of war um uh, the ragnarok will be coming on the 9th of november this year um definitely interesting if that was always the plan um because if starfield hadn't been delayed it would have been coming out um, two days later and that would have been interesting but that's obviously not happening now um yeah i don't I don't care like the God of War game. Uh, so with Sony games, I'm an Xbox guy, but I still really like a lot of the stories in Sony games. So what will happen with me? I've, I've done it with basically every big Sony exclusive um, is I'll watch playthroughs or I will at least watch like cinematic compilations so I can get the story. Um, I love that with the last of us, and the last of us two. Um, absolutely enamored by those games zero desire to play them but still really interested in the characters and the stories and so on um same with like uh, the uncharted games and stuff like that like I, i'm interested in them including god of war um the story of god of war 2018 is really cool it's great you know it, it's a cool reimagining of that character um compared to the more arcadey less serious one that we saw in the previous games that were very different games right i will say though though every bit of gameplay i've seen of that game just does not look fun like it's a real tight like third person angle where you're like you can't see anything in the in the in the in the movement and the fighting just maybe i need to buy it on pc because i never did to maybe you know prove myself wrong but i don't know I kind of like the old school God of War. If I have to be totally honest, I, I I don't have any interest in this like over the shoulder Kratos. I want, you know, third person, you know, cinematic angle Kratos, but I'm just old as well. So um, my thing with this game is I think it's very much going to be kind of like a better Forbidden West where like Forbidden West is really liked with the Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and it, it seems like in most ways is thought of as a better game than the first one but it still just kind of like took the first one and was like a really big really good dlc but it didn't really like jump this franchise forward 100 miles it just kind of was the next step and i think that's what that's what ragnarok's gonna be i i don't think it's gonna be this like evolutionary mind bending or breaking experience it's gonna be a really good story with kratos and and his son um in this new environment doing this new thing and there will be some really big cinematic amazing moments there's gonna be moments that are gonna blow people's minds but i kind of suspect at the end of the day people are gonna be like yeah it was more god of war 2018 and that's a great game so that's what we want and we're cool with that and that's fine i just i feel like this game gets like some of the biggest versions of like just like the benefit of the doubt uh, that Sony games can get or any games of any platform, but um, from their fans, right? Um, but hey, it's it's a big deal. One funny little tidbit side part of this story that I thought was interesting is um, the game for for Spoken that's been delayed multiple times. I think it looks like a generic trash fire. I think it looks awful. Um, some people are excited. I guess we'll see. Um, it got delayed, and the statement from the developer was like after strategic business discussions with our partners blah 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 basically what it was saying is uh because they were going to release around the same time as ragnarok basically what their statement read as was like yeah we got told to fucking wait our turn <laughs> we are gonna have to wait to come out and so i'm sure the devs don't mind because they probably get more time to qa and stuff like that but uh yeah it was it was kind of a funny little tidbit of that story of like they didn't try to play it off like they needed more time or anything like that like they made it pretty clear that they were told to wait their turn <laughs> so 
A, I wouldn't want to be up against Ragnarok if I was selling a game. Uh, I think the new Call of Duty is going to come around around the same time. I don't think that's going to do anything. I think they're going to be fine. I think um, Call of Duty and God of War are going to get theirs. They'll be fine. Okay, so we're going to jump into listener questions now. If you have your own question, jump into my Discord and you can ask in there. Um, Raud Grani had two questions here. Your opinion on Skull and Bones, I think I've already kind of given that. Uh, what do you think of the proximity to God of War? I don't think anything of it. I think that Skull and Bones is going to be such a pebble in the lake ripple compared to the absolute you know, freighter being dropped into the lake, uh, reverberations. I think it's, I, I think skull and bones is going to be so insignificant compared to whatever Ragnarok's going to be that I don't think it's going to hurt or help it. I think it's just going to, it's just going to be, it's just going to be skull and bones is going to come out. It'll get a little bit of attention. Ubisoft will pay a bunch of streamers to play it for a week. Uh, and some people are going to really enjoy it and they'll stick with it for a while and it's going to die on the vine probably and then ragnarok's going to be out and that's what everyone's going to be talking about there will be reviews of skull and bones people will mention it some people will say it was surprisingly good i'm just not in it for the long run and some people are going to be like oh yeah they just shoved this out but at the end of the day i i think it's completely inconsequential i think skull and bones could come out tomorrow or it can come out the same day as ragnarok and it's probably not going to make a difference it's not even ragging on the game I just don't think it's going to make that big of a splash, pun intended. Um, I, I just don't think it, it matters. And, and I mean that in the most respectful way I can. Uh, second question from Raud is, um, is there any Sony exclusive that would make you get a PS5 given uh, the availability at some point in the future? Maybe. For me, it's more of a matter if they put out a system that's like, like the Series S, um, at least in price. Um, I, my problem is, is I already don't play all the games I intend to by just having a series X and a PC, both with game pass. And obviously I have steam and stuff like that, which is funny. Cause right now I'm not playing any of that. I'm playing escape from Tarkov all the time. Um, I haven't even touched mass effect in over a month, which is like, if you've heard me talk in recent months and over the last year, you'll think I'm sick because I was playing that game nonstop for a while. I burned myself out. So I'm kind of taking some time off but probably nothing. Um, maybe revisiting like the Killzone brand. Um, I like first person shooters a lot. Sony doesn't seem to care about those at all. And I highly doubt they're gonna bring back Killzone. I, I don't know. I, I think honestly, the only thing that would bring me back is if like Sony buys like EA or something and they make Mass Effect exclusive on PS5. That's probably about the only thing that could get me to do it. Um, until then, I'll just keep watching those playthroughs. If you want me to be totally honest, I have no ill will against the PlayStation. I just, I like my Xbox. Uh, I have games I like on there. I have games I like on PC and the games I can't do on either of those. I just don't, I'm not that worried about it. And so, um, I don't know. It would have to be something pretty wild. Like maybe like a Kojima, um, Metal Gear Solid game. If somehow they can mend that relationship and if it was sony exclusive i'd probably buy i would buy a playstation for that for sure absolutely but we'll have to wait and see uh master prime had um the other questions here uh so uh, what do you think um of people that get angry about games or stuff in general becoming mainstream um i think it's kind of inevitable right like if you look at other parts um at least here in the united states other parts of the media and stuff like that it's turned into a lot of clickbait sensationalism things like that i'm not going into some political tirade or anything like that i have zero desire to talk about that on this show but like um you know it has become pretty obvious that uh, people have found out that negativity and toxicity and um in bad news sells and gets clicks um and i think that's a bummer um, I like, I think I could probably increase my listenership on this podcast or the viewership on my videos by 10 or 20 times by going full toxic and, and, and being sensational and, you know, doing the things that I've seen a lot of other people go to. 
I guess for me, it's just turned into a thing where like, this is my hobby. I do this for fun. This is supposed to be an escape from the nastiness for me. And so I, for the most part, will always keep a positive spin because if something's causing me like negative feelings or negative spin, I'm just not going to interact with it for the most part. I just don't want to think about it. I've got lots of other bad things to think about in my life. Games especially is not going to be one of them. So I think it is what it is. I think it's just the nature of humanity and the way that we are um, that, you know, the negativity and anger and all that has become such a, a hot point. Um, but I'm going to fight it every inch of the way. And then the second uh, question here from Master Prime. Should more games show behind the scenes so people understand how games are made and the challenges that come with them? Yeah, for sure. There is a little bit of the, um, like how the sausage is made kind of thing going on. No one wants to see the pig get butchered and chopped up and ground up and made into a sausage, right? People don't want to see that. Uh, they want to eat the delicious sausage and not think about anything else. Just like most people want to play the game and don't care about what strife the developers went through, whether it was crunch or COVID issues or whatever, they don't want to think about the publisher pushing up their timetables, you know, underfunding them, not listening to them, forcing them to put things in they don't want to put into their game. No one cares about all of that stuff. Most people don't. But I think if publishers and especially developers are proactive about that stuff, I think it can help with the discourse at least a little bit. EA of all publishers did this with skate recently where they showed a bunch of footage of skate four, uh, and it's like alpha state and it looks like an alpha game. It's not textured. There's jacked up animations. There's bugs all over the place. Uh, and they did show like a finished quote unquote, per, uh, like vertical slice to say like, Hey, this is what we're working towards, but Hey, this is what we have right now. I think that's really cool. And of all publishers to do it, EA, I know people hate EA and, and until EA gives people a really good sustained reason not to, it's totally fair. I think they're trying. I see it with Bioware. I see Bioware putting out these blogs like every couple months, updating people on what's going on with Dreadwolf and Mass Effect and, and, and Star Wars, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're doing the thing. And, and I think they're doing a good job. And I think we're going to see that from respawn with apex and, um, the star Wars game. And I think they're working on something else, hopefully a Titanfall game one day. Um, I think you're starting to see, you know, there's always going to be the evil like Madden and FIFA and all that. Well, it won't be FIFA anymore, but you know, there's always going to be, I guess, be those issues, but I think that the more transparent these publishers and developers are, the more people, because I think a lot of people think that you just put together a game and put it out. And I've said it a hundred times. It's a miracle that any game has, it's a miracle that bad games even get released. Just if you ever get to talk to devs, especially in AAA studios, but really anyone about how wild this shit is, or if you ever get to see a game in like alpha or like even pre alpha builds, which I have, like you realize that like, most games look and play like shit until like the last three months. <laughs> and then it like kind of all cascades together, hopefully. And, and it's like, you know, cause they're putting down the foundation, the whole development. And then it's just really in those last few months or six months or whatever, that everything's ready to be finished. And then it like kind of all comes together at once. And then you just kind of hope for the best, right? It's like a, it's like you're baking a pie and you're, you're building the eggs, you're building the flour, you're building the sugar, you're building everything. And then right when the oven gets hot, you throw it all together and you throw it in the oven for the, for the last you know, few months. And then you pull it out and you hope it's good. And that's kind of what happens. And so the more that they can convey that to the consumer, the better things will be. So yes, I think that's great. Awesome questions. Thank you both so much. If you listening to this podcast have any questions of your own, jump into my discord at the link down in the description and, uh, or you can find the link on my Twitter at bond diesel as well. Um, and come over and say, hi, let's talk about this kind of stuff or ask excellent questions like these ones. 
Okay, content updates. So I mentioned some big news at the beginning of the show. This is it. So this coming Monday, this would be the 11th, I believe, um, I will be doing an interview with uh, Yannick. I'm not going to bother saying his last name until he tells me how to say it uh, from the Division 2, uh, the, the lead on the Division 2 right now at Massive. Um, so I'm going to get a little bit of time with him. Uh, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to record the segment with him for as long as he'll talk to me more than likely i'm going to release it as like the first part of this of the next echo cast if it turns out that it would be better as like a special episode that, that gets released like in the middle of the week or whenever they approve me to release it i may do that as like as like a as like a spin-off episode um especially if like say a bunch of news comes out next week i don't really want to put out a two-hour podcast um but i know people are gonna want to hear him so um i'll figure it out one way or the other what i am asking you if you're listening to this podcast or watching this video is if you have questions or topics or specific things that you want me to talk to yannick about if you're on youtube put it in the comments down below if you're on the podcast jump into the discord um, you can also ask me on twitter i guess i'd prefer you just get into the discord so um so that's happening I would, um, I, I welcome your, uh, ideas and questions. I won't promise I'll get to them all or maybe any of them. He and I may chat about sweaters for an hour. We'll see. Um, I am continuing to try to get a few videos out a week. I've been pretty successful recently with that and to stream a couple times a week, as well as this podcast, I'm feeling good about my content right now. I'm going to be straight up. My numbers aren't really reflecting it. They're basically the same as they ever have been for the last two years. And that's fine. I'm having fun and that's what matters to me. But, um, if you can support this in any way, shape or form, like the video, subscribe to the things, comment on the stuff, uh, share it. I would appreciate anything. Um, I did appear on a podcast this week, which is actually unnamed. It's a, it's a new podcast. Um, someone who's in my uh, discord and who is their own does has a really great channel themselves is doing it so once that is available i will share it in all of the places um i also appeared on a mass effect podcast called massively affected uh there's two episodes of it out i think i was like the fifth or sixth person uh who they recorded with and so i assume uh you know towards the end of this month or maybe next month my episode will be out and i'll i'll throw that out there as well um, i do have a few leads on some more guests to be on the show uh, on the echo cast before the 200th episode this is episode 192 so that's coming up here in about two months and um uh, i i think it we'll see i like doing this like news show by myself and so kind of like with yannick i'm gonna see how that conversation plays out um and if it plays out the right way it's gonna be like its own episode and then i will um just do my normal friday uh echo cast news and and stuff um this may be the same story with other guests that i have on so we'll just have to wait and see i don't know um i'm you know it's flexible we can do whatever we want here this is our house um saying that that's where i'm gonna start to wrap things up so hang with me here uh, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider uh, and don't forget to rate the podcast if you're on spotify or itunes if you're on youtube please thumbs up this video subscribe to the channel and leave a comment down below even if it's just to help the algorithm you can find me all over the internet as bond diesel including on twitter uh, let's see twitter youtube instagram and over on twitch uh, you can check out my EchoCast and Bond Diesel merch at the Streamlabs merch store. The link is down in the description. And um, that's all I have. So until next time. I'm gonna go get some more.